Okay. All right. So welcome everybody to another session with me here, Valerie Williams, uh, with Coaching with Valerie. Some of you know me also with collaborations and on a couple of different platforms such as YouTube, Anchor, Patreon, LinkedIn, and the list goes on. Today, I want to welcome another guest of mine, a, a colleague, Linda Wilson-Gordon. Um, she and I have probably known each other, probably getting to know one another better, but I probably said the beginning of this year, we've really been getting to know one another. And she is a phenomenal businesswoman, is doing amazing, great things, and is always grinding and, and impressing for more. So I want to share her with you, my audience. And today we're just going to get to know Linda a little bit more and talk about income streams and why income streams is important. I have talked about income streams and tried to um, share some of the income streams, but I'm going to continue to drive that home and continue to invite guests to reinforce and to build on why it's so important. So without further ado, Linda Wilson Gordon. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much, Valerie, for that wonderful introduction. And thank you for having me on your show today. I really appreciate it. I'm going to give you a tiny nutshell uh, background about who I am and my business background and yes. why Valerie's talking to me about multiple streams of income. I actually have three different income streams coming in myself. Um, what I have learned in my over 30 years and in, in uh, a, a combination of financial services and high tech, I've kind of gone back and forth. Right now, I'm doing both. Um, what I have learned is that it's never a good idea to put all your eggs in one basket, no matter how good that basket is. I, I have learned that with um, painful experience over the last 30 years, let's put it that way. So um, as I mentioned, I've gone back and forth over a little over 30 years. I started out originally in financial services as a financial planner, and I was both insurance licensed and securities licensed. But eventually, I left personal production and became a wholesaler uh, on the insurance side. I recruited and trained insurance agents across the country. But I eventually grew really tired of that constant cross-country travel. And I took a position based in Seattle, uh, selling medical billing software to doctor's offices. And when I left there, I went to work for New Horizons Computer Learning Center, which is the largest computer learning franchise in the world. But Eventually, I migrated back to financial services. So I have been with TW3, uh, which is where Valerie and I connected for two years now. Um, I kept my job with the financial services company I was with for about two months after starting with TW3 and resigned from there after, after 60 days. Um, and just a couple of months later, my business partner and I, and we had become acquainted uh, at that previous financial services company, my business partner and I also launched North Star Marketing Group. And North Star, North Star Marketing Group coaches insurance agents and business consultants on how to assist business owners in becoming more profitable by uncovering underused tax credit strategies. And we also teach our consultants how to make the largest life insurance sale of their career using a premium finance strategy. So that's a little bit about me and who I am and what I do and 
you've kind of got my multiple streams of income figured out now as well. That's awesome. Awesome. So you hit on something, a lot of good bullet points. And one of them in your journey is about tax, uh, tax code and, and all that that is involved that we all have to deal with, whether we're business owners or not, but even more so as business owners. Um, and that is something that I have been diving into is tax code. And I've found a new love. I love tax code. <laughs> <laughs> love it to me and I love tax code because it is like a treasure hunt for me yeah. like looking for all of the ways um to make sure that I'm being compliant and that I'm sort of to speak playing the game doing what um the IRS is requiring of me in order to be able to take advantage of all of the uh, tax deductions that I can take, but doing it according to how they require. And so for me, it's like a treasure hunt. And I actually love tax code and just got involved. I've got, let me see, one, two, I've got three mentors in tax code and just love it. Am I an expert at it? No, but I love it so much that it doesn't even feel like a learning curve, you know, because I've just made it like this treasure hunt and learning what they require, learning how to play the game. So at the end of the day, you are not getting slapped on the wrist. And so you have such great experience in that. So give us um, a nugget. Give us something about tax code or a story or something um, that viewers can kind of grab a hold of that you think so many are not aware of. I'd be happy to do that. Um, look at it this way. In the tax code, since you've been diving into it, you know that there are 17,000 pages. Um, <laughs> Is that all? Yeah, there are. <laughs> and my, maybe a little more by now with the changes this year, but the, the, the section that CPAs concentrate on is about 5,000 pages. And that's how to keep people compliant, which boxes to check, which numbers to subtract, which numbers to add, how to keep their clients compliant and make sure that, you know, nothing comes back to bite them and they don't get audited. Okay. So the other 12,000 pages are essentially how to reduce your taxes. And some CPAs, you know, the big four accounting firms, obviously pay attention to those because they have big clients where we focus are on the companies typically with 500 employees and less, which in IRS code, those are considered small businesses. Um, you know, we consider a small business anything with 200 employees or less, but the IRS, actually, I think they consider uh, 1,000 employees or less as a small business. So that's our focus. And most of these companies and they're the business owners are working with regional or local CPA firms, and they have no idea what's included in that other 12,000 pages in the IRS code, that's where we come in. And we work with some experts. Um, we have 16 expert CPAs who do nothing, but they don't take the place of the normal corporate CPA. They do nothing but find uh, tax code exceptions or credits, I should say, credits that the company is eligible to receive, but hasn't ever taken advantage of. I mean. When's the last time the IRS sent you a letter and said, Valerie, you've overpaid your taxes. You need to go back and take this credit and this credit, and we're going to send you a refund of a couple hundred thousand dollars. Has that ever happened? 
Definitely not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and and that's the same answer from both both business owners, most business owners. They just start laughing. You know, they start laughing and they say, uh, "No, that's never happened." And I said, "Okay, good. You know, here's our position. We think the IRS owes you money, and we'd like to get it for you. If we don't get it, there's no fee. If we do get it, there is a fee. There's a percentage." Um, but, you know, you don't pay that to us except half up front and the other half when you actually get your refund. And the average that we collect for clients is about $200,000. So it's a significant amount of money. And just as a story, I'm working personally on a big case with a business owner is much larger than normal, much larger than average. The business owner in Oregon right now, we're probably going to get him back a little over a million dollars. Now, when this comes back, it's a refund from the IRS, an actual check from the IRS, and it's tax-free to him, mm. okay? Because it's taxes he's already paid. Right. And when he went to his CPA and said, dude, why haven't we been taking this credit? Is this legit? You know, and his CPA said, yeah, it's absolutely legit. You know, if these people can get that money back for you, then go do it. And then once they've done it, I have some other business clients that I want them to talk to. And that's typically what happens. And his CPA went on to tell him, if I were going to engage in this arena, I'd have to go back to school for a year. And I can't afford to do that. My practice is too big. I can't leave my clients hanging for a year. You know, I need to focus on, you know, where I am right now, that 5,000 pages in the code. And if they are focusing on the other 17,000, you know, go work with them. Right. Wow. That, that, is, that is huge. That is so huge and so important. Why we need good business owners who are always sharpening their craft, staying abreast of the changes from year to year, uh, regardless of what, who's in political office. Um, it is just the nature of the beast and is a do or die for us as business owners. So I want to ask you, um, what would you recommend? Now, there's so many things within tax code. I mean, we, we, we've talked about just the number of pages that there are, and that can just totally turn people off and overwhelm. Now, for me, I didn't get all caught up in that. Just knowing that I can save myself thousands of dollars was my motivator to get involved and learn and educate myself about tax code. Um, and then these three mentors kind of fell in my lap and it was just like, oh my goodness. So what would you say uh, to the ones who are deterred, intimidated about just learning about tax code, whether they're business owners or not, newbies transitioning from the nine to five into entrepreneurship business, what have you, what would you advise them as far as getting some type of education on tax code? Well, the IRS puts out publications and yesterday as it happened, I downloaded or yeah, yesterday, I downloaded one of those publications because one of the services that we are bringing to our clients right now is the employee retention tax mm. uh, credit. And that changed in January. And so most business owners and CPAs are not taking advantage of it. And we can get our clients up to $33,000 per employee that they retained in 2020 and on into 2021. Okay, so it's not going to apply to every employer because if they 
if they shut down and they didn't in 2020 because of COVID and they did not retain their employees, they're not eligible for that. But um, if they did retain employees, even if they got the PPP loan, and that's where the that's where the uh, change came in in January, because last year they could either take the PPP loan and keep their employees on, or they could take the employee retention credit. Well, in 2020, that credit was only $5,000. Well, the PPP loan in many cases was a lot larger than $5,000 uh, per employee, and they could get that money instantly and not wait for a couple of months. So 99% of them took the PPP. Well, the law changed in January, and now they can go back and take the employee retention credit for 2020 and on into 2021, even if they had a PPP loan and the dollar amount is significantly changed. It's $7,000 per quarter. So in 2021, yeah, that's where we come up with the $33,000 per employee. So for a small business, let's just say they have 15 employees and they all qualify. Yeah, we can do the math. Do the math, Valerie. <laughs> that's a lot of money. And, and again, it's a refund from the IRS. So it's tax-free money. And it's, you know, the, the, the law changed so much in January of this year that, it, that it's, it's really difficult for people to keep up. However, what I would suggest for anyone wanting to learn more is go to the IRS site, type in whatever it is. In this particular case, I typed in employee retention tax credit. And then the IRS site itself came up with, I don't know, three or four or five different PDFs that I could download that address that credit. And two of them in particular were specifically what I wanted to learn. And so I downloaded those and read through them so that I can talk intelligently both to the agents sure. that we coach and train because we have a, we, North Star Marketing Group has a national network of agents that we coach and train on a weekly basis and talk intelligently to potential clients. I don't do a lot of personal production anymore. Mostly I'm coaching and training our agents, but I do do an occasional case. And I, and I like to stay involved with that because I like to know how it's going for the agents out there. But, you know, that's the best source of information. You know, mm -hmm. and then there are other, you know, there's like Forbes publishes stuff all the time, you know, the, it, it, the Wall Street Journal. I mean, you can get articles like that, but if you really want to learn, go straight to the source, go to the irs.gov, <laughs> go to the IRS website and download those PDFs. Awesome, awesome. Straight to the source. I love it. I'm I'm dropping down, jotting down some of these value bombs. So if you see my head going me, just taking note of these value bombs. So my next question to you, I mean, we could go on and on about tax code. <laughs> um, but and see, you know, you had mentioned earlier about TW3, which is the a platform that we use, uh, both Linda and I for our businesses. And we share that platform with other uh, clients um, and how they can use that to really excel, grow their business, plug it in. It's kind of a one-stop shop, includes multiple income streams and so forth. Um, so you had mentioned TW3. Tell me how that platform has impacted your business. Okay, so TW3 is a lead producing platform. 
you know, if you need leads for your business, no matter what you're doing, if you're an insurance agent, if you're a financial planner, uh, if you're an automobile <laughs> dealership, if, if you're a restaurant, because the restaurants are beginning to open up a little bit now, uh, at least here in Washington state, they are. And I think, you know, pretty much across the country, it's, it's start, they're starting to open up. Um, there are multiple ways within the TW3 platform that you can create leads. Uh, we have lists available by zip code. Um, we have a we have a uh, text a bulk texting system, a bulk emailing system. There's a CRM that's very powerful. In fact, I haven't even learned all of it yet. I'm yeah, still yeah. working on that. Uh, but I have just I've just simply been too busy with Northstar Marketing Group to get back in there and learn that CM CRM because it is a big one. It's a, it's very very powerful. It does a lot of things. Um, so. You know, within the TW3 platform, there's also training on not just how to use these segments of the platform, but how to market. And I think that maybe one of the most valuable uh, things about the whole platform is the marketing training, and particularly for people who are new to the digital marketing world. And I'm kind of giving away my topic on my next training that I'm going to do for TW3. I'm going to talk about digital marketing. Excellent, excellent. I know for me, TW3 has just been a good, a whirlwind, but a good whirlwind, sort of to speak. Um, you just know when you found your tribe, when you know you have found those ones that you are to uh, glean from and just be a part of. So it has been and it so spoke to my DNA with the income streams, I cannot say it. And I think you said it best with um, not putting all your eggs in one basket, no matter how good that one basket looks, just don't do it. COVID, perfect example of why we need to have income streams. Um, and so, yes. So I want to ask you next, Miss Linda, now you already um, have kind of given it away and shared uh, a project that you have been working on and has been taking up a lot of time, but how profitable it's 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 going to be. Um, give us some other nuggets that you have learned about just the importance of income streams. You have three. What? Why three? Why? How did you come into um, multiple income streams? Why is it so important for you personally? Um, and what has it done for you at this point? Up to this point. We're going to give you a personal story going way back into the early 90s. Okay, I was a wholesaler for a particular marketing company. And I was my job, this is before email, you know, we were still doing things on the telephone and with a fax machine. And my job as a marketer for that company as a wholesaler was to recruit insurance agencies, not individual agents, but agencies with, you know, 15, 20, 30, 40 agents, and then get on a plane and fly to their location and train them on the product. So I was doing really well with that company. Um, I was actually one of their top 10 wholesalers. And I was making, let's just put it this way, I was making a lot of money. And I loved it. You know, um, my kids were grown and had just finished college. Um, they were, you know, they were out of the house and on their own and I had not yet remarried. Um, and so 
<clears throat> you know, I I was really enjoying it. And I the travel part at that point was not as complicated as it is today, particularly, of course, this year after COVID, it's even worse. But pre-COVID, it was still more complicated. Uh, you know, well, since 9-11, it's been a lot more complicated than it used to be back in the 90s. I would go into a particular city uh, a couple days ahead of time or stay a couple days after the actual training. And that was, you know, a mini vacation. I would explore museums and, you know, that depending on, you know, exactly where I was. So I really enjoyed that work. Um, and like I say, I was making a lot of money. So I went from a very good income, having a job that I loved to zero and not having a job overnight because the CEO of the company was killed in an accident. Mm. And he was a good friend of mine. Uh, he was a mentor for me. He had been in insurance marketing for many years. Uh, and it was, it was just a huge shock for everyone, uh, everyone involved with the company because the insurance carriers had written into their contract that if anything happened to him, they were pulling the contracts. Mm -hmm. So we had no products and no companies in the space of a few hours and 12, you know, on Thursday, I went from having a great job, you know, doing everything that I love doing and making really good money. On Friday, there was nothing, zero. That was a painful lesson. <laughs> it, it, was, it was a very painful lesson. And so I decided at that point that I was never going to depend on a single one income stream again. And ever since then, I have tried really hard to stay diversified. Sometimes it's not particularly easy to do. Sometimes it's impossible to do. But I have always tried to have some kind of a side hustle going on, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. I know um, with me, um, I want to say going back into 2015, having another mentor in the economic arena, finance, business, finance, economics, and driving that point home of just multiple income streams. And tell me what some of the barriers that you believe people have as to why they may not want to get into income streams, why they haven't done it, or even if they are oblivious to it, what do you believe some of the hindrances are into getting into some income streams? Well, of course, the biggest one is time. You know, um, for younger parents, let's say, who have children at home, that's very, very difficult to do because they have their job and then they have their second job at home taking care of their kids and their house and each other and so on. Um, so that's a, you know, that's, that's, a, real, that's a real challenge. Uh, like I said, when this happened to me, I was an empty nester, totally. It was just me and my cat <laughs> and my garden, <laughs> you know, just that was it. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's also a mindset. And I think that the mindset has definitely changed over the last 15 months because of COVID. Now, I think there are more and more people out there 
who have come to the realization that, wow, I need some kind of a side hustle uh, or a home-based business or a second part-time job because what if something happens to this job, you know, this career that I've built my life on for the last 15 years and boom, it's gone overnight mm-hmm. because it could happen to any company out there. I mean, I, 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 I used an example of Neiman Marcus on our training uh, with our agents the other day. Uh, you know, here's a what 122-year-old um, high-end retailer, and they've had to close multiple stores because they couldn't pivot fast enough to be um, an online presence, and most of their shoppers are not shopping online. And they've had to file for bankruptcy protection. Um, and like I said, I think they've closed something like 22 stores across the country right now. Yeah. Um, and, and uh, you know, that happened last year to a lot of different businesses. And we saw it, my husband and I saw it in the music community because a lot of our music friends are considerably younger than we are. We're the grandparents of the group. Um, you know, it's they had a second job as an Uber driver or a waitress or a bartender, you know, whatever. And those jobs went away and the music industry went away. And a lot of them were really, really hurting until the uh, until the um, unemployment laws changed so that gig economy workers like they were doing self-employed workers could apply for unemployment and and get some some kind of assistance because everything was shut down. It was wasn't their fault, you know. Um, just like what happened to me, you know, back in the early '90s wasn't my fault, you know. It life happens and you can't always control what's going on out there. Mm-hmm. But I think that I think that time and mindset. To answer your question directly, I think the two big the two big things are time. And mindset. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm so glad to really have you to just be a part and to get to know you better, Linda, because it's it's the wisdom, you know, and, you know, scripture talk, you know, there's a whole book of, of the Bible dedicated strictly to wisdom called Proverbs. And Thank you. so you know, I, I, you know, I'm an only child, grew up as an only child. So I grew up very fast <laughs> because I was always around adults. And so I just grew up fast, but I always gleaned from wisdom. I always gleaned from my elders. And my mom always used to tell me, she said, you know, you're growing up too fast. You, you, you need to enjoy your childhood. You're just too grown. <laughs> for your age and it was like well mom give me a brother give me a sister (laughs) and then you know maybe I will have that image in front of me but outside of being in school I was always around adults and so I was always around wisdom was always around my elders and I look back at that today and so when I see, you know, my elders, those that I consider my elders, those who are older than me, I'm, I'm in my early 50s and anybody older than me, I consider them my elders and I look at them as wisdom. And so I'm always looking to glean. I'm always listening for what I can hear. Even when someone is talking, I'm looking for, okay, they're saying this, but what else am I hearing and what they're saying? 
And that's how we can kind of pull and go deeper into wisdom and apply it to our lives. And so I'm so glad to get to know you and have you a part of my life because I have more wisdom <laughs> coming around and I'm glad that I can have you to bring wisdom to, to my audience. And so I just applaud you for all that you are doing in business, all the training that you're pouring into us younger generations and, you know, even your generation you're pouring into and always doing a hustle. So with that being said, give us some wisdom nuggets. Okay. So we're talking about multiple income streams and there are actually eight, eight different streams. Um, there's earned income, which is working from a job. You're getting a salary. Okay. Uh, there's profit income, and that's from buying and selling. Now you can, you can, you know, we live in a really small town. I'm about two hours west of Seattle, and there are people in this town who regularly go to garage sales or estate sales, and they buy things and they repaint them or they fix them up or whatever, and then they turn around and sell them. Um, so profit income, and that can be buying and selling anything. I mean, there are people who flip houses. Uh, there's lots of things out there to buy and sell. There's interest income. That's income from lending money. Now, if you have a savings account at the bank, you're lending money. Uh, the interest income is pretty low. Uh, there's residual income. Now, the residual income is one of the best kinds of income uh, that there can be. That's when you continue to get paid after the work is done. And that's also passive income. And anybody that owns the TW3 uh, system already has several different ways to create active and passive income. And that residual income happens to be one of them. Okay, then the fifth one is dividend income. And that's income from owning stocks and you know, getting, getting dividends on that. Um, that's probably further on up the ladder for a lot of the younger entrepreneurs. They're not in a position to own stocks yet, but they'll eventually get there. Now, rental income, income from renting a house or a room in your house, or maybe you have an ADU and you have a thriving uh, business with Airbnb, you know, whatever that rental income might be. Now, Capital gains, you know, assets that you own that are increasing yeah. in value. That can be your business. That can be your house. That can be, uh, you know, uh, you know, stocks and bonds that you invested in. And there are a number of ways for assets to improve in value. And then, of course, royalty income. If you've written something, if you've invented something, you know, you can uh, earn income, and that's the eighth way. Um, income from other people using your original idea. Nice, sweet, sweet, love it. Okay, now you mentioned investments. Um, and this is kind of, it depends on what side of the fence you're on. You mentioned about the millennials and you know maybe the newer generation or the newer uh, folks coming on into entrepreneurship about investments. Talk to us a little bit more about investments. Investments is another thing, almost like tax tax code that can be really intimidating, um, depending on how you look at it, what angle you're looking at, um, as far as being time consuming, as far as being intimidating, as far as risk factor, 
you know, the high, the low, medium risk, you know, all of that and what you have to learn, that learning curve. Talk to us a little bit more about investing. Um, I think the millennials are a little bit more receptive or becoming more receptive to investments, but I wanna hear from you on this because again, um, you know, we're, 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 um, we have wisdom here that is with us. I think they're being a little bit more receptive because there's so many new things that are coming about to make it accessible for the average Joe to get involved in investments. Back in the day, investments, you had to drop thousands of dollars to get involved. Now you have things like Robinhood, all these new platforms that are kind of user-friendly to get yourself educated and to kind of come in kind of low risk. Um, so you're not getting so much high on the bar, medium scale, high risk involved. So talk to us a little bit more about investing and just what you see with investing. What I, ha what I have seen uh, with investing is, and I'm going to go back to basics here, you know, the number one thing that people need to do is to have six months worth of income, uh, whatever your income is that you need, your bare bones to cover what you have to cover, you know, your mortgage, your utilities, your car payment, if you have any credit card debt, you know, whatever that is that you have to cover, have six months built up in reserve first. Then look at investing and starting small with one of the platforms that you just mentioned. There are a lot of different ones out there. Just do some research, find out which one fits you better and put in $100 or $200 or $500. You don't have to have thousands of dollars to start an investment fund. There are also many times, if you look for them, investment clubs where, you know, seven or eight or nine people get together and then they you know, they put their, they pool their money and decide where to go with it. Um, but one of the best pieces of advice that I can give is if you're serious about investing, find a good fee-based financial planner in your area. And you can ask around, ask your friends, ask your relatives, get recommendations, find out who's good, interview two or three different ones, you know, sit down and talk with them one-on-one. -on -one. You know, what's their philosophy? How much do they look at, you know, putting in high-risk investments and secure investments? You know, does that fit with your personal philosophy? Some people can stand much higher risk levels. Uh, other people want 100%, you know, 100% secure. You know, they don't want to take any risk at all. You know, so they're looking at the big cap stocks and bonds. Um, you know, those are not returning a lot right now, but they are returning better than just money in the bank. Uh, money in the bank, you're losing money because you're paying taxes on that. So, you, you know, you have money in a savings account, it's going down, not up. But at any rate, um, there's a good book that, that, uh, that I recommend to everybody, and it's called Cash Flow Quadrant. Yes. Guide to Financial Freedom by Robert Kiyosaki. Sounds yes. like you maybe you've maybe read it. You know, yes. and you, you get down to the I in the in the uh, cash flow quadrant, and that's where you become an investor. And money's going to work for you. And yes. the the other piece of advice I have for everybody out there: live on sixty percent of your income. Mm. You know, put away thirty percent. And take 10% to have fun, you know, 10% to 
you know, travel, go on vacation, you know, uh, go out for dinner, whatever, you know, whatever it is that you want to do to have fun, yeah, um, yeah. you know, set that aside for yourself, but live on 60%. You know, you shouldn't, unfortunately, <laughs> in our consumer economy in the United right. States, I've seen this over and over and over when I was doing personal production as a financial planner. I saw it so many times. People are living on 120% of their income. And so the other 20% is going on credit cards. And so they're always in debt and they're always trying to catch up. That's a trap that you want to get out of. You know, you, you do not want to have, um, you know, thousands of dollars of credit card debt. If you are making a big purchase, you know, yeah, you're going to have, you're going to have some debt for a while. Like, uh, I'll give you a personal example. My husband and I moved into the house that we're in now four years ago almost five years, September will be five years. And we, um, when we moved from Seattle out to the little town where we live now, we gave our living room furniture to my daughter. She needed it then. We didn't want to put it in storage. The house that we were moving into out here was totally furnished. And so we just said, hey, you know what? We've had this for a while. When we get around to needing it again, we'll buy a new, new stuff, you know? So we just gave it to her. So for the last three years, <laughs> we've been trying to decide on a sofa. And last year, when we had a little more time than normal because of COVID, um, we finally decided on a sofa for the living room. And we didn't have 100% cash, so we wanted to get a little bit because that sofa. But we had waited for that sofa for three and a half years. You know, and we had four chairs in the in the living room and, and no sofa. And so, you know, now the living room is all rearranged. We've gotten rid of two of the chairs and we have the other two chairs and the sofa. And I am so happy because every time I walk in there, it makes me feel good. So it was worth the wait. And yeah, we went into debt a little bit, you know, for big things like that. That's a big purchase. You know, that that it is it was a it was a big purchase, it was a custom made sofa. And we're so happy. We figured at RJ's, this is probably the last sofa we're ever going to buy. So, you know, we, we took our time. We finally found a company that we like. We got a bunch of fabric swatches. We discussed it. We talked about it. I mean, it, you know, it, it, took, it took us, even when we got serious about it, it took us about four months to finally order it. Wow. Uh, when it got here, we were thrilled. So that's that's just a... You know, personal story. I say, don't go in debt. There are obviously there are exceptions. Right, right, definitely exceptions. And I want to piggyback on that because that there was so much that was said in that. And you know, specifically to you have to again going back to finding your tribe, going back and finding okay, who out there that you can identify with, that you know you're going to learn from, that you that you can glean from, and knowing your tolerance level, knowing your tolerance level, and having goals, okay, what investment? There's so many out there. You've got your gold, your silver. You've got the famous digital currency now, crypto and Bitcoin, Ethereum, and the list goes on. You've got real estate. So knowing which investment tool, which lane of investment you're going to be in, you're, you're, you're risk tolerant, who that mentor is, finding that mentor and, you know, that tribe sort of to speak. The other thing is looking at your finances. And obviously, if your finances are not balanced, you're not going to be investing right now. You're going to be cleaning up your finances. If your debt 
is you know not where it should be and we all know when our debt is a little bit messy um you know obviously not going to be investing and you're going to be cleaning up so that you'll have more so that when you're ready to invest you've got more to give and to balance so so yes absolutely and books and books out there like you know robert kirisaki is one um even some publications out there like forbes magazine there's so much going on right now with uh, the digital digital currency and we've got elon musk who's speaking into digital currency and driving <laughs> the prices up and down up and, and down. <laughs> up and down and people are being emotional and so you, that's another thing you've got to figure out if you are an emotional buyer and if you are how you a handle on that and you, that you're not following. You got to think if you're a short-term buyer versus a long-term buyer, if your investment's going to be short or long-term and just where you are with those mediums. So yes, absolutely. Uh, we got about 10 minutes left here, Miss Linda. So anything else that you feel that is pertinent for uh, my audience, even myself, for us to know? I mean, I just want to just pull <laughs> I can. And so for the last few minutes, share something from your heart um, that, I don't know, maybe it could be something in your day-to-day -day that weighs on your heart that you want to just yell from the mountaintops, you know, uh, for us to just know, for people to know. Get your finances in order. Um, if you have not read The Millionaire Next Door yet, go read it. Yeah. That's a foundation book for everyone who wants to get their finances in order. Um, you know, Warren Buffett is a great example. He's still living in the house that he bought 40 years ago or something like that. You know, don't think that you have to keep up, keep up with the Joneses. That's a, that's a terrible mindset. You know, you're better off being under the radar than over it. Um, and take care of your emotional needs as well. Mm. You know, it, it's because when money is a very, very emotional topic. Um, again, back when I was doing personal production with financial, I would have clients sometimes would sit in my office and burst into tears for one reason or the other, you know, um, either I had just told them they're in really good shape and there was really nothing I could do for them. I might make a couple of little adjustments and, you know, suggestions, but they were doing great. They didn't need me. Or uh, I delivered some news to them that was, you know, kind of earth shaking for them when I said, hey, you know what? You are living way above your means and you need to cut back. And here's where you need to cut back. You're spending too much here, 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 and here. And you've got credit card debt here, 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 and here. And here are my steps that I'm suggesting you take to number one, get out of debt. And at the same time, build a savings, you know, a nest egg. You, you can do both. You may think that you can't, but you can. And here's what you're gonna to need to cut in order to do it. And sometimes they took my advice and other times they were like, yeah, I'll make more money next year and pay this off. You know, it's like totally. <laughs> Oblivious, you know, that that's and then I would, you know, just shake my head and write them off as clients. But um learn from people who have walked the talk, like the guy that wrote the millionaire next door, like Warren Buffett, 
I mean, Warren Buffett says, don't ever have one single income. He states that. Now, now, he's a person that I can happily take advice on because he's a whole lot wealthier than I will ever right. be. And, and so look for those people. You know, find out who they are. Um, read books. You know, you, it, we're so accustomed to, you know, looking at our cell phones uh, five times an hour. And I think book reading has gone by the wayside. And that's a real shame. I mean, it, it's there are so many good books out there that you can use to educate yourself on financing multiple streams of income, um, you know, how to start a home business. I mean, there, there, are, there are a multitude of ways to do that. But my one piece of advice, if I needed to shout it from the, from the yes, uh, mountaintops, yes, yes. is get your, get your financial house in order. <laughs> amen and amen and amen. Oh, oh. Thank gonna, you. We've got a couple more minutes and I'm going to continue to post to the very last minute. So amen to that. You're going to do all of the above. Now, Linda, if people want to get a hold of you to just talk to you about uh, more about what your business does, tax, anything involving tax, um, you know, uh, code, litigation, you know, just knowing those checks and balances, how can people get a hold of you? Well, they can either text me or call me at 206-569-8188. That's a, that's a, uh, a number that my business number where they can either call or text. Uh, they can look me up on LinkedIn and connect with me there. It's Linda Wilson Gordon on LinkedIn. Uh, they can email me uh, Linda at WilsonLinda.com, or they can go to my company website, which, which is NorthStarMarketingGroup.com. Now, particularly for anyone listening to this who is in financial services, and we, we, we work with business brokers, we work with financial planners, we work with registered investment advisors, we work with insurance agents uh, that we coach and train on how to become a valued, trusted consultant to business owners and how to make those business owners more profitable, how to find underused tax strategies and put money back into their bottom line. And so if you're in any area of financial services and you're listening to this and you'd like to connect with me, please give me a call because you know I'd like to talk with you. Awesome, awesome, good stuff. Oh, I'm so excited we have this interview. Now, Linda, do you do any teaching? Because um, I just see you, I, I just see you, um, hmm. I just see more teaching out of you, but probably not so, I don't want to say intense way. Uh, I just see you doing more teaching, consulting, um, advisory, overseeing, and maybe even doing some one-on-ones kind of outside of what you're doing now, maybe not under that North Star umbrella. Um, but I just see you doing more teaching. I don't know if that comes in the form of an, I mean, I mean, I can even see you doing some online webinars slash seminars um, and, and taking like, you know, the top um, five things from, you know, the tax changes of, of 2021. Um, you know, some of the changes that have hit us as business owners in 2021 as a result of COVID and how we are, how we've managed to stay um, above the rim, uh, despite COVID. I mean, I just see you just doing, I know you're doing a lot already, but 
I'm just going to share what I see. <laughs> I did this with Terry. Terry, what I had with Terry, you know, when I interviewed Terry and he was so gracious. And so I just see that more uh, with you, more one-on-one -on -one mentorship as well, whether I don't know, it's, it's, it's younger women educating them and just kind of really being that um, mother figure with the wisdom and where we people can glean from you. Because right now it's just like, I just want to just continue to pull these nuggets. And I was the same way with Terry, like, no, don't go. I, I just want to continue to pull and glean and be like a sponge. And so um, I, just, I just share that with you and just impart that to you and encourage you to just keep on going. Don't stop what you're doing. I just wish health, continued health and prosperity on you to continue to live out and receive everything that you want to receive and most importantly, to leave a legacy. Well, <laughs> I appreciate that a lot, Valerie. And again, thank you for having me on the show. And it's really interesting that you should mention webinars because now this is not outside in our marketing group, this is inside we actually have a webinar scheduled for June 16th at 10 o'clock Pacific time for business owners, specifically talking about uh, some of the tax code and ah. how we can put money back in their pockets, but particularly the R&D tax credit and the uh, employee retention credit. Those are the two main topics. And we have a couple of expert guest speakers who are going to be on that webinar. And so if anyone's interested, um, you know, business owners want to be on that webinar, they can just go to LinkedIn to my profile or to the North Star Marketing Group uh, company page on LinkedIn. Um, and the invitation uh, is there with the, you know, the date and the time and how to register for that upcoming webinar. And that so, is when, say that, give us that date again one more time. June 16th, Wednesday, June 16th. Is there a time frame on that? Yeah, it's 10 o'clock Pacific time. Okay, I may jump on that if I am available because I never, and I want to say this to viewers, you, if you're in more, for example, you know, I have three mentors that are in tax code, um, a Carla Dennis that I am with, a um, Jerry Lawrence, uh, there's another um, mentor that I have in tax code. And if you have more than one mentor that overlaps into an area of expertise, it is quite okay. It is, it is fine. You're not being disloyal to one or the other. You are just, um, you can't, you just can't learn enough. It's part of our personal development, which is ongoing. So I just want to share that with our viewers that if you have a mentor and they're overlapping more than one in one area, it is perfectly fine. You are just being more the well, well-rounded in that particular area or even more than one particular area. So Linda, I want to thank you for being a part. I am going to send you a copy of this so that you can use it for your purposes as well. I'll send you the audio and the video. Um, if you're interested and you can, you know, use it for your personal gains as well and to get it out there for what you do. But I thank you. Thank you. Thank you're you. welcome. Thank you, Alinda. And um, I will see you when we get back with our elite group and with Terry Wilson and the gang. All right. You have a wonderful Memorial Day weekend and uh, we'll see you next week. All right. Stay safe, Linda. Thank you again. Thanks for having me on the show, Valerie. You are